0: Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne
1: in Melbourne, Florida. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time has come. What Jesus is saying is this, it's a simple fact of this, Jesus Christ is coming again. Let's say it again together. Jesus Christ is coming again. That's a simple fact. It's going to happen. Now, we don't know when. So what does that mean? Why should I be alert? Three things I want to tell you here. Number one, because of this, there should be no end-time hysteria.
0: Believer, imagine you are expecting a visit from the most important living person you can think of. You want to clean up your house, but instead of getting the dirt and clutter out... You just sweep the gunk under all the rugs and furniture and and smash as much of your stuff into every closet and cabinet you can find. When the person arrives, it doesn't take long before things start spilling out and your visitor is tripping over the bumpy rugs. When Jesus returns, he wants to find your house, that is your heart, clean. A thorough scrubbing takes time. To find and repent of all those long-hidden sins... Today, you'll hear how to prepare a right and clean heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 34, for part one of our message entitled, God's Bed and Breakfast.
1: Today's teaching in Mark chapter 13 is called God's bed and breakfast. How many of have ever stayed in a good bed and breakfast? Aren't they great? It's a wonderful thing. And uh, many of you, if you say, "Well, I'm not sure what that is," what a bed and breakfast is is somebody's opened their home or an older place of ministry, and uh, to just kind of like a little mini hotel, and they have different room for you, and you can get out and have a great meal in the morning, and get to meet people from all over the world, and it's just a a wonderful time. I I was thinking about this, and a few years ago, our family, when the kids were actually teenagers or maybe younger than that, we went up to the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. How many know there's some good food up in that area with the Amish? And we actually stayed at a Mennonite farm. It was like a bed and breakfast place, and it was a dairy farm. Now, we could tell that for a number of reasons, one from all the cows that were there, but we could tell for another reason when we got up in the morning. It was a, a different odor that came in the windows that... Uh, we were used to. And when we went down for breakfast, it was really interesting because when we went out into the stables and where all the cows were, every cow had its own little name right there on the stall where it was. And it had how much food it's eaten and what the mix of food should be, how much cream it had made, how much milk it had made. You know, they kind of rated the guys. And it was, it was really interesting. And then the breakfast was, was superb. We're going to talk about God's bed and breakfast. I want you to think about this church this morning. Right here, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, is God's bed and breakfast. Let's look at verse 34. Jesus is talking about end times, and he says this. It's like a man going away. It's a little parable that Jesus gives. He leaves his house, and he puts his servants in charge, each one with his assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or midnight, or when the rooster crows, or even at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, simply watch. In this parable... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's trying to say to them some important keys. And you notice in that parable, we're going to just break it down to make it like a bed and breakfast, Jesus describes a man who goes on a journey. Of course, this is Jesus. Two days from when he gave this parable, he would be killed. He would then be resurrected and taken to heaven. So Jesus is saying, when this man goes to heaven, by the way, which is me, I'm leaving you, and he's teaching his disciples, and he's saying to his disciples, I'm leaving you here. You have a responsibility to run, and I'll call it this morning, a bed and breakfast. That's your responsibility. And when you see this, let's look back at verse 34, and see three keys about his parable. The first is this. Every person in God's house is a servant. Notice the parable. Look at the verse. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. So this parable is for Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, you fit this parable. If you're not a believer, we have some things to say to you too also as we go through it. But this parable is for believers. He's talking to his disciples. So he says, let's just give a picture of it. The owner of this bed and breakfast leaves and goes back to heaven. He leaves this local church, or every church you could call a bed and breakfast, Jesus. He leaves you, if you're a believer this morning, as a servant. So a servant serves. Notice the next thing. He not only leaves every one of us as servants, but he gives every single one of us an assigned task. Say the four-letter word, work. 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 four-letter word, work. He gives every one of us an assigned task. Now notice, we'll talk about this more later, an assigned task. Right from verse 34. Now notice there's something different then. Look at the end of verse 34. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Well, who is at the door? The one at the door, I will call this morning the pastors and elders of this fellowship. Our responsibility is not to stand at the door and tell you when Jesus is going to return. You'll see shortly. Nobody knows that. But our responsibility is as servants, by the way, word servants also, everyone in God's bed and breakfast is a servant. Our responsibility as a servant, as a pastor, as an elder of this body, is to teach you six things that I'm going to give you this morning. From this parable, we're to teach you every week, but from this parable, there'll be six things that you're to learn this morning. So I encourage you to take notes. From these six things, God will speak to your heart. He will say to you, this is an area that you need to be encouraged in, to be challenged in. Let's take a look at these six. Now, let me just share with you why Jesus is giving this parable. As we go through the sermon today, and the teaching, you're going to find this. That at the end of this time, when Jesus comes back, by the way, he's going to return. He's going to evaluate every servant. So he's going to evaluate you. And he's going to look at you and your gifts and your abilities. And he's going to judge you. So it's smart that you listen up. Some of you will be very ashamed, the Bible says, at Jesus' coming. You've been a Christian a long time, and you've really just kicked back. You've popped your shoes off, you sat on the couch, and you're doing nothing for Jesus. And when he comes, you're going to be ashamed. So maybe that's you this morning. Or some of you maybe just become weary as a Christian. You're just struggling, having a hard time. This parable is for you. It's to encourage you. Let's look at the six. The first one this morning is this. Be busy. There is no time to speculate. Look back at verse 32. Jesus says to the disciples, no one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. The day there means the tribulation time, the second coming, the millennium. This is a question that the disciples were always asking. It's a question we're always asking this morning. We're asking the question like this. When is Jesus coming? Is it in our generation? Is it going to be soon? In Acts chapter 8, right after the church is getting ready to be established and Jesus goes to heaven, just before he goes to heaven, the disciples go, okay, is it time now? They were always interested in the time. They wanted to know the time. So Jesus gives us something very interesting there. He says there's been lots of signs, as we've studied Mark 13, there's been lots of signs about the end time, but there is no specific date. So Jesus says in this passage, Mark 13, and in Luke 20, which is very similar, and Matthew 24, which is very similar, there are some specific things that I told you about, but some specific times, but the date and the actual time, I've not told you. Now notice in that verse, look again, he says that the Son, Jesus himself, does not know when he's coming back. Now that has caused great problem in Christendom, because this, we taught you that when Jesus came to the earth, he was fully man and fully what? Fully God. You did good. You remembered. Fully man and fully God. Now, you can understand if the fully man part doesn't understand when he's coming back again. But what about the part of Jesus that was fully God? You see, God this morning knows everything. He knows the beginning and end. He has all times perfectly. Well, why doesn't Jesus, who is fully God, know the time? Because of this passage, some people will say to you today that Jesus Christ, when he came to the earth, was only a man. He wasn't God. That's wrong. I'll have you write down a passage you can maybe study as some of your homework or devotion time this week. Just write this down. We won't turn there this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse six through eight. What this says is this: Jesus was fully man and fully God, but when he came to the earth, he voluntarily... Listen, he voluntarily emptied himself of some of his divine attributes. What that means is when Jesus was on this earth, he was fully God and fully man, but he decided in his own heart just to give up some of those supernatural attributes. One was to know when he was coming back. Now you say, well, I'm a little confused at that. Well, here's a simple one. God... Today, Jesus today, when he's in heaven, can be at any place at all times, all at the same time. He just be everywhere, omnipresent. He can just be. It's the way the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit's ministering here, it's ministering to your heart, ministering the church next door. You go over here to Hollywood, it's ministering to all three of those churches. That's the Holy Spirit everywhere at the same time. That's God. When Jesus was on this earth, how many places was he? One place, at one time. So he limited his what? His omnipresence, that attribute. He also limited here. His ability to know everything. Because the Bible tells us when Jesus was here, He only did the will of the Father. So don't let anybody say to you, well, Jesus was only man when He's here. That's not true at all. He voluntarily gave up or emptied himself of some of those attributes. Number two, be alert. Someday, Jesus will return. Someday, Jesus will return. Look at verse 33. Jesus says to the disciples, be on guard! I just did that to see if any of you are awake out there. He didn't talk like that. Although later he had to because they were always sleeping. Be on guard. That woke somebody up, didn't you? Check your pulse. You all right? All right. Good. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time was come. What Jesus is saying is this. It's a simple fact of this. Jesus Christ is coming again. Let's say it again. Together. Jesus Christ is coming again. That's a simple fact. It's going to happen. Now, we don't know when. So what does that mean? Why should I be alert? Three things I want to tell you here. Number one, because of this, there should be no end-time hysteria. You shouldn't be running around with your head cut off, trying to figure out when Jesus Christ is coming back. There are some Christians that are unbalanced in end-time things. The only thing they study are end-time books. That's their that's what they feed on. Nothing wrong with studying end-time things. But if you've focused only on that, you're unbalanced in the word of God. Remember, second Timothy says all scripture is inspired. Nothing wrong to be heavy in that area if you want to be, but realize you'll never pick the date. Secondly, there's other people on the other end of the spectrum that know nothing about end-times. Individuals have stopped me as as we left the service And they said, I've come, one said, I've come Protestant church and Catholic. Another family was Protestant Catholic. I've never heard any of this stuff. End times, rapture, second coming, millennium. and, And really, I don't know anything about serving Jesus Christ. What do you mean Christian, born again? And they just don't know. So there is an unbalance. You can be too heavy in end time things or you don't know anything about it. So what does that mean? I shouldn't be hysterical about end time things. Let me repeat again. Don't be fearful. We'll talk a little about that when we in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, but don't be fearful. You know, we need to be ready, alert at all time because the rapture could happen. We had a, a prophecy that was given in Argentina or somewhere south that Miami was going to have a big tidal wave. Because of that, we had many Christians who were new who decided to sell their homes, quit their jobs, and then just move north to move out of Florida. No tidal wave ever came. Many of those people today are not serving God. Why? Cuz they blamed the false prophecy and God wasn't God's fault. Remember, at the door of every bed and breakfast there is someone watching. Be wise. So one of the purposes for the pastors and the elders here is to make sure that the teaching that you receive is balanced and biblical. There is no need for fear. Caution? Yes. Fear? No. Number 3. Be holy keep the place clean. In Hebrews, it says this. We should make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. A few years ago, my wife and I were in a bed and breakfast in London. It was a great time. We hadn't been there before in London. And we got this bed-breakfast place near one of the subways and whatever. We went in, and the breakfast there was wonderful. You know, everything there was cream and clotted cream and butter. And, man, I mean, it's like Heart Attack City when you sit down for breakfast and eggs and sausage. It was it was good. It was greasy, and it was good. It was wonderful. The breakfast part of the bed-breakfast and breakfast was great. The bed part was miserable. <laughs> because the place was dirty. Ugh. Can you imagine? It was horrible. Well, this bed and breakfast was the kind of same thing. When you go to a bed and breakfast, don't you want the room and the dishes to be clean? I mean, who wants to have a dish with egg all over the side and, you know, for somebody else? I mean, you want it clean. So what God is saying in the bed and breakfast, the area you've been assigned your room, he wants it to be clean and holy. It should be a place of holiness. I remember Charles Stanley talking that when he was a young teenager, his mother had left and said, sweep the house and do whatever. Well, he did, but he took all the sweepings and lifted this big area rug and piled it underneath. And when mom walked home, there was this hump. Well, he got in trouble. He tried to hide his dirt. How many know this morning, you cannot hide your sin from God? God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. And when we think about God's bed and breakfast, I have to think of my own self first. My own area must be clean. My life must be clean. It must be holy. Paul talks to us a lot about holiness. Notice that scripture says, Without holiness, no one will see God. When we think of holiness, many of us think of long skirts and long thing and no makeup and near drink, whatever, all kind of things you were raised with. No, holiness is something on the inside of you. Doesn't mean sinlessness perfectly, but it means that sin doesn't have dominion over you. Let's look at Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, in other words, Jesus is coming back again, then you will also appear with him in, glory. in other words, he's coming, that's the rapture, he's coming back for the Christians. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because he's coming back, in other words, live holy. Sexual immorality is something you should put to death. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So Jesus through Paul, is saying this. Your life should be representative of who lives within you, and it's Jesus Christ. If your place is going to be clean, it will mean that the natural man of you, the, the sinful things in your life, will not have these. Let's look at it again. Sexual immorality and impurity and lust. Do we see any of that on TV today? How about at the movies? You know, you can't hardly even go to a movie anymore. You say, well, I go to any movie I want. You need to read the list. Because you're feeding garbage in, garbage out. Half the situation TV comics today now are people living together or homosexuals or lesbians. It's incredible what's happened. You can't feed your mind this stuff. So Paul says, if Jesus would come while you're sitting in one of the movies you went to, would you feel comfortable? say, don't say that to me. I don't like that. That's what Jesus is saying. We should be holy. We should be like Jesus Christ is. You can't be watching that kind of stuff. But notice also it says greed. And he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is the tribulation time. That's why he's coming. He's going to pour his wrath out. Now look at verse 7. This is a key and you need to understand it. Paul says, you used to walk In these ways, in the life you once lived. So what does he say? He says, at one time in your life, sin ruled you. How many remember those times? Before you became a Christian. So let's stop just for a moment. How do I, and the reason I'm going to take just a moment to go through this, is because there is such misconception. How do I get in to become a servant in God's bed and breakfast? Well, here's how. You don't get into salvation, you don't get into heaven by doing good things. You get into heaven one way by being invited in by Jesus Christ through the cross. Jesus went on the cross to die for you. It has nothing to do with this church. It doesn't matter if you were raised Catholic or Protestant or Jewish. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What you do with Jesus Christ determines where you're going to spend eternity. If you personally repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Savior and Lord... And then you begin to walk like Him. Then you're going to be part of God's bed and breakfast. His work on the cross paid for your sin. So what Paul says is, listen, there was a before Christ and there's an after Christ. And here's what it means. Before Christ, you might have been a good person, but you had sin in your life. It ruled you. When I come to Jesus Christ, when I repent, repent means changing my way, walking a different way. So Paul says, you used to walk that way. If you're here this morning and you come to some church or you were Catholic or Protestant, you came up front and you accepted Jesus Christ, and your life, since you've accepted Jesus Christ, is the same it was before you accepted Jesus Christ. Nothing spiritually happened to you. And you're playing with your eternity. Now, when I accept Jesus Christ, then there is a before and an after. My life will be different. Will I be sinless? No. First John says, if you say you're without sin, you lie and make him a liar. I sin. But it isn't prevalent in my life. It isn't something that rules me. I'm different than I was before. It's not about sleeves. It's not about long ears. It's not about no No, re-rings, all that jazz that we try to do external. It's here. It's in the heart. So Paul says, you used to walk that way. Don't walk that way anymore. If nothing changed in your life, when we give the altar call this morning, you need to be here. Look at the next verse. Paul really challenges. He says this. But now the pastor must come to your house and help you get rid of such things. How many would like for me to come to your house and get rid of those such things? I ain't coming to your house. Now why wouldn't I come to your house to help you get rid of those things? I got my own house to take care of. I have my own sin to take care of. I have my own bed and breakfast room to take care of. It's got to be clean. I can't come to yours. Now we do publicly as we teach, Pastor Bill, Rick, and I, when we teach you, we we challenge in those areas. But notice what Paul says, look it again, but now you must rid. Well I want somebody else to do it. No. You must rid. How are you going to rid yourself? Through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: Today's message began with the parable given by Jesus about the household of a man who has gone away. He exhorted the household to be ready for the man's return, preparing the house and keeping watch. As Pastor Mark explained, Jesus was speaking of himself who would die two days later. He was giving his disciples some guidance, telling them to prepare their hearts and their minds for not only his departure, but his return. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will begin to outline the ways that we can prepare for Jesus' return. We know that Jesus will come back, but there is a balance between fretting about it and ignoring it altogether, which will be addressed in that message. Pastor Mark will go over what a good bed and breakfast should look like, giving us practical advice about setting up and maintaining one that will be suitable for our Savior. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.